Welcome to yet another installment of the History Teachers Talking Podcast's short lecture series. I am your host, Peter Zablocki. Don't forget to join Thomas Reska and I every week as we delve into the annals of history, explore the past, make connections to the present, and occasionally question the future. You can always connect with us on our website at historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com, evergreenpodcast.com, or find us on Facebook, X, and Instagram. Until then, enjoy today's episode. Weehawken, New Jersey, July 11th, 1804. Each participant fired a single shot. Bird's shot proved fatal, striking Hamilton and causing a mortal wound. The nature of Hamilton's shot remains uncertain. It is unclear whether he intentionally fired into the air. Yet Burr's bullet entered Hamilton's abdomen, piercing his liver and spine. After the duel, Hamilton was transported to the Manhattan residence of his friend William Bayard Jr. It was also Bishop Moore that administered last rites to Hamilton. The Vice President of the United States, Aaron Burr, faced multiple charges, including murder in New York and New Jersey. However, he was never brought to trial in either jurisdiction. Burr initially fled to South Carolina, where his daughter resided with her family. Eventually, he returned to Philadelphia and then to Washington, D.C. to complete his term as Vice President. Initially avoiding New York and New Jersey, Burr eventually had all charges against him dropped. In the case of New Jersey, the indictment was dismissed on the grounds that, even though Hamilton was shot in New Jersey, he ultimately passed away in New York. And one might think this would be the last that history would hear of the infamous vice president who shot Alexander Hamilton. However, Aaron Burr was not quite done causing mayhem in American history. Aaron Burr was born on February 6, 1756 in Newark, New Jersey, to a notable Presbyterian minister and a second president of the College of New Jersey, now Princeton University. Burr attended Princeton, where he excelled academically and graduated with honors in 1772. During the American Revolutionary War, Burr joined the Continental Army and served with distinction, where he participated in noble battles, including the Battle of Quebec, and rose to the rank of lieutenant colonel. After the war, Burr studied law and became a successful attorney in New York City, where he was known for his sharp legal mind and effective courtroom style. Shortly thereafter, he entered politics and served in the New York State Assembly, where he was later appointed as the New York State Attorney General. In 1791, he was elected as a U.S. Senator from New York. In the presidential election of 1800, Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr tied in the Electoral College. The tie was eventually broken in the House of Representatives, and Jefferson became president with Burr as his vice president. Aaron Burr would go down in history for two events. The bigger one of the two is, of course, the bad relationship with Alexander Hamilton, a fellow New Yorker and a Federalist. Everyone knows of its culmination in the famous Burr-Hamilton duel in 1804 that resulted in Hamilton's death and which damaged Burr's political career. However, not many realize that after leaving the vice presidency, Aaron Burr became involved in an even bigger controversial scheme known as the Burr Conspiracy. According to the allegations, Burr aimed to leverage his international connections and gather support from a group of American planters, politicians, and military officers to establish an independent nation in the southwestern United States and parts of Mexico. While Aaron Burr was still serving as vice president in 1804, the very same year where he killed Alexander Hamilton, he had a meeting with one Anthony Mary, the British minister to the United States. Burr disclosed to several associates that during this meeting, he proposed to Mary that the British could potentially regain influence in the Southwest if they provided financial support and weapons for his planned expedition. 
Byrd suggested that in exchange, he could help detach Louisiana from the Union, requesting half a million dollars and the presence of a British fleet in the Gulf of Mexico. Byrd claimed the inhabitants of Louisiana preferred the protection of Great Britain to that of the United States. Although Thomas Jefferson was re-elected as president in 1804, Burr was not selected as the Democratic Republican's nominee or Jefferson's running mate. Consequently, Burr's term as vice president finally ended in March of 1805, where in November of that same year, Burr met with Mary once again, and again asked for financial support and two or three British ships. Mary informed Byrd that London had not responded to the plans forwarded the previous year, yet he did provide Burr with $1,500 to continue his expedition. Those in London showed no interest in supporting an American secession. In the spring of 1806, Burr had a final meeting with Mary, who conveyed that there was still no response from London, where it seemed that the British were not interested in Burr's secret dealings. That same year, 1805, Byrd traveled from Pittsburgh down the Ohio River to Louisiana Territory. He then met with one Herman Bleener-Hassett. Bleener-Hassett provided friendship, support, and most importantly, access to the Bleener-Hassett Island, which he owned on the Ohio River, where Burr and his co-conspirators could have stored space for men and supplies. Byrd tried to recruit volunteers to enter Spanish territories along with him. In New Orleans, for example, he met with Mexican associates at a time when Mexico was still part of New Spain to discuss the conquest of Mexico. The newspaper reports of Burr's plans first appeared in August 1805, which suggested that Burr intended to raise a Western army and to form a separate government. By mid-1806, Burke continued recruiting more volunteers for a military expedition down the Mississippi River. He began using Bleener-Hassett's Island in the Ohio River to store the men and supplies that he was gathering. The governor of Ohio, however, grew very suspicious of the activity there and ordered the state militia to raid the island and seize all supplies. Bleener-Hassett escaped with one boat, and he met Burr at the operations headquarters on the Cumberland River. One of Aaron Burr's key collaborators was one General James Wilkinson. Wilkinson served as the commanding general of the United States Army. President Thomas Jefferson appointed Wilkinson as the governor of the Louisiana Territory in 1805. And while initially Wilkinson concurred with Burr's plan, it would ultimately be Wilkinson who sent a letter to President Jefferson alleging that the contents of the letter provided evidence of Burr's involvement in treacherous activities against the United States. In February and March of 1806, the federal attorney for Kentucky, Joseph Hamilton Davies, wrote Jefferson several letters warning him that Burr planned to provoke a rebellion in Spanish-held parts of the West in order to join them to the areas in the Southwest and form an independent nation under his rule. The accusations continued coming in until Jefferson could no longer dismiss them. Jefferson and his cabin began to take them more seriously, and their suspicions were only further confirmed when General Wilkinson sent the president correspondence between him and Burr, in which Burr outlined his plans. In an attempt to preserve his good name, Wilkinson edited the letters. They had been sent to him in a cipher, and he altered the letters to testify to his own innocence and Burr's guilt. Jefferson had had enough. The president alerted Congress of the plan and ordered the arrest of anyone who conspired to attack Spanish territory. He then warned authorities in the West to be aware of suspicious activities. Now fully convinced of Burr's guilt, Jefferson also ordered his arrest. As Burr continued his excursion down the Mississippi with Bleener Hassett and a small army of men which they had recruited in Ohio, they never quite reached New Orleans before being captured and taken into custody. 
Charges were brought up against Aaron Burr, the former vice president of the United States in Mississippi Territory, but Burr escaped into the wilderness. He was then recaptured on February 19th, 1807. Burr was charged with treason because of the alleged conspiracy and stood trial in Richmond, Virginia. A Revolutionary War hero, U.S. Senator, New York State Assembly General, and Assemblyman, and finally Vice President under Thomas Jefferson, Burr denied all charges against his honor, his character, or his patriotism. He was then charged with treason for assembling an armed force to take New Orleans and separate the Western from the Atlantic states. He was also charged with high misdemeanor for sending a military expedition against territories belonging to Spain. But the case was very controversial, even from the beginning. The high misdemeanor charge was dropped when the government was unable to prove that the expedition had been military in nature or directed towards Spanish territory. Burr's trial also brought into question the ideas of executive privilege, state secrets privilege, and the independence of the executive. Burr's lawyers, including John Wickman, asked Chief Justice Marshall to subpoena Jefferson himself, claiming that they needed documents from Jefferson to present their case accurately. The president, however, refused and insisted that all relevant papers had been made available and that he was not subject to the writ because he held executive privilege. He also stated the Constitution guaranteed the executive branch's independence from the judicial branch. Marshall decided, however, that the subpoena could be issued despite Jefferson's position as the president. In fact, had he wanted to do so, Chief Justice Marshall would have called Jefferson to the stand. However, there was no need. Marshall had to consider the definition of treason and whether intent was sufficient for conviction rather than action. Marshall ruled that because Burr had not committed an act of war, he could not be found guilty. The First Amendment, after all, guaranteed Burr the right to voice opposition to the government. To merely suggest war or to engage in a conspiracy was not quite enough to be convicted of treason. Marshall narrowly construed the definition of treason provided in Article 3 of the United States Constitution. He noted that the prosecution had failed to prove that Burr had committed an overt act as the Constitution required. As a result, the jury acquitted the defendant. Found a trial, Burr, with his prospects for a political career all but over, left the United States for a self-imposed exile in Europe until 1811. He first traveled to England in 1808 in an attempt to gain support for a revolution in Mexico, but was quickly ordered out of the country, so he then traveled to France to ask for support of Napoleon. He was once again denied and now found himself too poor to pay for his way home. Finally, in 1811, he sailed back to the United States. Once he returned, he then changed his last name to Edwards and returned to New York to resume his law practice. He then got married to a wealthy socialite widow, only for her to leave him after four months of marriage due to his land speculation and financial mismanagement, which cut into her finances. Burr died in heavy financial debt on September 14, 1836, perhaps one of the most infamous vice presidents the United States has ever had. Hope you guys enjoyed this short lecture. Tom and I will be back later this week with a full episode. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone. 
My name is Tom Kearns, and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far, we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons, and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go.